Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Ed. Good morning, and I want to welcome you as well. Um, It was an evening up in Vancouver, Washington. I think I had just eaten at um, um, Burgerville. I think it was Burgerville, and I was in my car ready to cross over a major boulevard there in uh, Vancouver, and I was the second car stopped at a stoplight. And then the light turned green, and before I knew it, there was a loud crash, and right in front of me was this accident. I was the second car back. I was not involved in the accident. I was not a part of it, but I was there, and I witnessed it. Well, so I stayed, and the police were summoned, even though nobody was injured. The police were summoned, and they had some questions for me since I was so close to the scene. And they were asking me questions like, well, because one car was coming across the intersection, the other car was going uh, what I thought was straight, but the policeman asked, well, were either cars turning? Uh, Was the car in front of you turning left or were they just switching lanes or going straight? And what about the other car coming? Uh, Did they use their turn signals at all? Were lights on? About how fast were they going? And, you know, I was going, my goodness. You know, yeah, I was an eyewitness. I mean, I I saw it, but my mind wasn't fully there. Um, I'm not sure a lot of your questions, officer. So, you know, I wasn't that helpful of a witness. Well, we are in uh, Acts, and we titled it Witnesses. And the very uh, first morning that Pastor Derek shared with us was Acts 1.8, where it tells us that you will be my witnesses. All Christians are witnesses, certainly the disciples, because they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And even when Judas was discarded and Matthias came in, it was a prerequisite that they were eyewitnesses. But we know from Scripture, even though we are not eyewitnesses to the resurrection, that we are witnesses. We are what the Scriptures call ambassadors. The question then is not whether we are witnesses, because Scripture is clear. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a witness. The issue is how effective are we as witnesses. And as we're going through this Acts series, and certainly we'll enjoy the history and the formation of the early church, but certainly uh, uh, looming there in the background is our desire to apply ourselves to become more effective witnesses. Stay true to yourself, who you are. You know, there's some overt people. There are some uh, covert or or quieter. Uh, There's some personalities that are life of the party. Others not be true to yourself. But within that framework that God uh, uh, has built you with, how can you become more effective? as a witness of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us, uh, that I will focus on here in just a little bit. Our passage of scripture is in Acts 2, 14. Uh, Turn to your Bibles there, because I just love, I I just love how this text starts. The first two, uh, my version, English standard, says, but Peter. 
but Peter. I mean, I, I told Derry, I think we're going to keep coming back to this uh, idea of Peter. I mean, Peter was the one that got out of the boat, took his eyes off Jesus Christ because the winds overwhelmed him, scared him, and he started to sink, and he said, save me. Peter's the one that got so anxious there in the garden that he took his sword and he lopped off the soldier's ear. Peter was the one when Jesus was on trial was so afraid that a servant girl asked him if he was a follower or part of the uh, disciples that were following Jesus Christ and he denied it. And yet look here, but Peter, folks, Peter, what does that say about you where you are as stuck as you are today? There is hope. But Ed, but Laurel, but Don, but Carol, whatever. That's the great hope we have in Jesus Christ, that we're not stuck. We can change. We can be transformed as miraculously. Well, maybe not as miraculously, but miraculously as Peter. Um, so look there, Peter. But Peter... But Peter, standing with the eleven. But standing with the eleven. Now, when it says uh, Peter stood, it probably wasn't necessarily his posture like I just stood up from the chair. It was probably in relation to a body of content, a conviction he had over uh, uh, some beliefs that he held more deeply, that he was willing to stand up for those beliefs. And he stood with the 11 because the other 11, when Jesus Christ um, was taken in trial, crucified, were all uh, uh, scared and went into hiding. But Peter stands. Now, this morning, I want us to do something a little different. Let's do something a little different. Are you game with me here and on, on television? I want us to role play. I want us to role play because we have now the first sermon recorded that was spoken to what we would consider a body of people after the resurrection. The first sermon, it's Peter's sermon. And I want to, um, us to be able to enjoy it because remember what happened from last week. Uh, a little bit of the background. La last week, there was this commotion in Jerusalem there was this mighty wind and these uh, tongues of fire that was just overwhelming. It was so distracting. And somebody asked, what's going on? And then Peter gives this sermon. Now, the, the setting, let me help us since we're role-playing. I want you to be a Jew in Jerusalem, okay? Can you get your mind and even on there at your home, uh, you're a Jew in Jerusalem, fairly devout, maybe not zealous, but devout enough that you have come to Jerusalem for what's considered the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. This is 50 days since the Passover. Okay, so you're coming, you don't really believe this Jesus was who he claimed to be, uh, um, uh, some of you might be ambivalent. Others are more hostile to Jesus was a blasphemer. 
but you're coming to Jerusalem about 50 days after Passover for the Festival of Weeks. And quite likely, you were there even for Passover, 50 days before. You were in Jerusalem, and you heard all the commotion in the streets because uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, that you know, word got spread throughout Judea, this Jesus of Nazareth was taken into custody. And he was tried and then crucified. You might have even been there that Passover and you saw some of the commotion, some of the activity. You may have even caught a glimpse of this Jesus Christ in the distance, perhaps. So as you're coming this time, you think, well, well, this time, at least it will be less chaotic. This time, at least all that commotion and the hubbub about this Jesus of Nazareth and all the hostility in the streets, it's been taken care of. But then you're there in Jerusalem and whoosh! This incredible scene happens with this wind and and the tongues of fire, you know, apocalyptic kind of activity that you are bewildered about. And you're there in the streets of Jerusalem and somebody shouts out, what is this all about? Somebody else says, ah, these people are just drunk. You're bewildered. You're a Jew in the streets of Jerusalem. I'm Peter to give that first sermon. I encourage you, as I read the sermon, try to just get into your role. Don't be distracted with the words on the page. Don't be distracted by my outfit. If you need to, just close your eyes. <laughs> just close your eyes and, and let the words um, come over you, uh, what Peter was saying that day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. Uh, by the way, I will throw in a little commentary, at least what I, my perspective, what uh, Peter's trying to convey. Verse 15, uh, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. If anything, they may have a hangover, but you don't start drinking at nine in the morning. No, no, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my flesh, my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy 
And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass. Hear me, all Israelites. And it shall come to pass that everyone, not just Jew, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves, you yourselves know. Some of you witnessed them. You've heard about them firsthand. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you. You, you, you crucified him. Maybe not with your own hands, but you used the lawless men, the Romans, to do the dirty work and to crucify him. For David says concerning him, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth attested you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that Jesus did in the midst. This Jesus you crucified. But God, but God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it for your own David says concerning him I saw the Lord before me for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken therefore my heart was glad my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, fellow Jews, I may say to you with confidence about your patriarch, the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is still to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. 
He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. David, the one you admire, the one you honor. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. That this Christ was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. That's what's going on in Jerusalem today. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Okay, we're done role-playing now. First sermon. First sermon Peter gives there in Jerusalem. You probably wonder, wow, couldn't all sermons be that short? No, they can't. Because we're not as disciplined, as quite as empowered, perhaps, as Peter I want to extract, though, because we're talking about being witnesses today. And I think we can learn something from Peter that can help us be more effective witnesses today. Uh, I I, want to extract three things that uh, I I see here that, that can help us. The first one that we could practice is being attentive listeners. Practice attentive listening. Listen to understand first. Uh, You know, like my example there with the accident. uh, Visually, I was there. My eyes were there, but my mind wasn't all there. Practicing demands being more consciously alert to the conversation that's in front of you. And the reason I see this in Peter, notice what kicks off Peter's sermon. It's a question by the masses. It was a question being asked out there in the public forum. What is this all about? This commotion in the streets with the wind and the tongues. What is this all about? Peter is responding. Do we have any inkling what the questions are that people around us are asking? Have you cultivated an attentiveness with with people around you that you can hear the questions that, whether they are verbalized or you've been around people long enough, you know they are ever-present, even if they are nonverbal? He responds to that question in Acts 2.12. Because the people were amazed and perplexed. 
amazed and perplexed. Do you know any folks who are amazed and perplexed? You know, usually it takes a catastrophic event in somebody's life to be amazed and perplexed. 9-11, I think we could go back to create incredible questions. But perhaps there's questions every day in your spheres of influence. So one of the ways we can become more effective witnesses is by that, practicing attentive listening, whether it's in the workplace, a shopping mall, in a car, driving somewhere, even here at church, myself included. Being an attentive listener. Second one, keep first things first. Keep first things first. It's the second thing that we could practice. The verse uh, that I, I'm pinning this to is verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. I really like this verse. Because you have sandwiched in this one sentence a lot of tension. We have a lot of tension that we Christians love to argue about. You know, is God sovereign? Is God in control? Does man have a free will? And we will spend long hours debating and trying to articulate with words how these two uh, um, can be true. And, and usually somebody takes a strong position one side or the other, and it can Depending on personality, it can get quite, uh, what's the word I should use, uh, loud. We'll just keep it loud. Notice for Peter, he had no qualms about expressing both of these, uh, what appears to be paradoxical truths in one sentence. And he finds harmony. It's a non-issue with him. My point here is keep first things first because we tend... Um, and I'm a Christian amongst you. We tend to like to argue. Uh, we, we like to argue about a lot, a lot of things. But, but notice what, what Peter drives at. Verse 24 is that which demands our focus. Verse 24 is that which demands our time. But look how we get distracted by verse 23. That tension between the sovereignty and free will of man. Where verse 24 says, but God raised him up. Loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Don't lose people to what is of utmost importance. The resurrection of Jesus Christ over frivolous arguments. Yeah, they have their place. Maybe not arguments, but discussions. But sometimes I don't think we know to what degree we hold to, uh, and we engage in a discussion, and all of a sudden it whelms up emotion, and it becomes quite uh, personal and heated. In witnessing, there are plenty of distractions that can divert people from the first thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, such as theology, politics, sports, entertainment, schooling of children, and you can go down the list. 
Know where to have those discussions. Know how you present yourself so that you are not a distraction. Because Scripture tells us that the gospel is an offense. It is an offense to those who don't believe it. So if you offend somebody, make sure it's over the gospel. Peter doesn't, um, it's not like you can't talk. Peter undoubtedly offended them that day. He doesn't avoid the hard things. There in verse 23 where he keeps saying, this Jesus whom you crucified. He uses you, not they, because a lot of the crowd had nothing to do with, uh, they were not of the Sadducees or the ruling body uh, that would have actually had a direct hand in the execution of the crucifixion. And so he's looking at the crowd, and he still says, you. I think he would say the same thing today about you and me. Ed. Ed, it's because of, of um, your rebellion, your attitude towards God. You. Because of your sin, Jesus Christ was crucified. Colossians 4, 5 tells us, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. Then my third uh, point uh, cultivating as we go forward, uh, moving towards becoming more effective witnesses is learn to cultivate curiosity. Uh, leave the people that you interact with, you know, whether they ask questions, uh, um, learn to cultivate curiosity in regards to uh, spiritual matters. Eventually, curiosity towards Christ. Uh, you do that by finding bridges, uh, finding common grounds. The appeal I see here in Peter, he appeals to their very own scriptures, the Old Testament. And particularly, one that they would esteem so highly was David. And he, once again, in Acts 2.30 these are taken from the Psalms. So he's going back to these prophetic Psalms. And what Peter is doing to the uh, Jews there, he's saying, your Old Testament scriptures, while you did not realize it, they are pointing towards the coming Messiah, this Jesus Christ. Your own scriptures, you did not have the eyes to see it. Now it's being fulfilled in front of us. A new thing is now at work that you anticipated. It's now. And your own scriptures prophesied this. Brothers, in verse uh, 29, I say you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. 
Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he should set one of his descendants on the throne. Not David on the throne. One of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of this Jesus Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades. Nor did his flesh See corruption. We can become more effective at cultivating curiosity. A major way is just learning the skill of asking questions. Uh, If you're new to this, here's one question. Because uh, some of you will have to work up to it. But now here's a real simple question. That you could ask somebody, hey, are you interested in spiritual things? Let me say it again. Are you interested in spiritual things? Uh, Usually when I ask it, though, uh, when I do it, I usually forewarn them, hey, I'm a pastor. Because I don't want them to think I'm going to now... um, underhandedly uh, uh, slip in a Jesus Christ conversation and you got to repent. No, no. I'm sincerely interested. I don't know where the conversation's going to go, but we need to be students of our culture and be able to ask questions to just take in information so we can determine whether everything I hear out here is it true with the people I interact with. And my uh, experience is people are very interested in spiritual things. So you're just looking, hey, are, are people that I'm around, are they willing to have a conversation on something more than, are the 49ers or the Rams going to win the football game this afternoon? I mean, those are fun to have. But you're wondering, hey, is our culture, are people asking questions and they are... Um, Uh, willing to engage in conversations on on something that has more of eternal value. Another good question, what do you think is the purpose of life? Uh, And then, keeping with first things first, uh, uh, again, uh, when the time is right, when you feel your relationship, you've done enough work, and if you go back to um, Derek's uh, opening Uh, talk was we're talking about people that are kind of in our sphere of influence to a large degree that you have ongoing relationships Uh, what do you think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ you might ask what do you think of Jesus Christ but I think the bottom line question is uh, you know you've heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ haven't you Uh, yeah yeah you know that Easter thing sure Uh, what do you think about it Because that's the starting point, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Significant, uh, their view of that. Because out of that, if this man did rise from the dead, uh, you got to be scratching your head going, well, what are the implications? What what, what does that mean? And that's why uh, the resurrection is so pivotal. A couple of resources um, I have out there on the table. um, um, uh, one is uh, Lee Strobel's book, uh, The Case for Easter. And that one's narrowed j- just to Easter, but I also have uh, 
Uh, and these books are out there are for you to grow in your confidence with, with some of these topics. And so if you practice some of these steps to becoming more effective when the time is right, you may have greater confidence with some of these subjects. So you're free to, I mean, you're welcome to take uh, any of those books. I had about 10, a few more in my office, but uh, okay, so the case for Easter. And if you're watching online and you want a copy, let me know. Case for Easter back there. And also uh, Sean and his, his dad, Josh McDowell, um, um, more than a carpenter. It's out there. And then I also include it because just less than a year ago, Troy Hatton spoke on this very same text because we were going through a conflict here. And he spoke on it, really a focus certainly on Acts 2 and Peter's words here, but the idea of being cut to the heart. Because this message is not just for those non-believing Jews, but it was also for the Christians. Because we re realize that God's word is a double-edged sword. It cuts. And surgery often is painful. But the health and freedom that comes from it is worth it. And, and so uh, Troy really focused his words on this idea of cutting to the heart. And he... Um, just wrote this marvelous uh, um, poem. I want to call it a poem. And I made several copies. It's out there. He called it Cut to the Heart. That was the series he preached. So another resource not only would be the uh, words of that uh, poem out there, but you can go back to our church website, the sermons, and there's a um, 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 uh, filter that you can put in Troy Hatton's name and, and watch it once again, if you would like, understanding that the context in which he was speaking was addressing uh, a conflict that uh, we were just winding down last year about this time. So let me close this in prayer. Father, God, one of the things we realize, uh, uh, we're, we're pretty anemic uh, when it comes to witnessing uh, because... We have some, some of us were raised in a uh, culture where it was pretty uh, confrontational. Um, we recognize um, it's a different era. The, the people we engage with conversation, uh, one, they, they don't, they're not ready, ready to accept what truth is. They may disagree what truth is. And we have to somehow engage in conversation. We need to learn how to become effective today. Not 20 years ago, today. Scripture talks about know the times in which you are living. Um, values are so different. Uh, in a lot of ways, for some of us, they've been turned upside down. So help us, Lord, to grow to take steps, maybe half steps, inches, to becoming more effective witnesses. May we grow first in our walk. In Christ's name, amen.